Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. And welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm Scott Grossberg, one of the co-hosts for our show, Keeping Your Blank Together. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Post. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. And thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Quick little logistic reminders. Uh, Our suggestions are, our suggestion is that you go up to the meeting uh, view and that you put on speaker view. It makes things uh, a little more visible for you. Uh, If you'd like, you can certainly keep it in gallery view if you'd like. Uh, You can turn off video, you can turn on video. Uh, and then there's a chat room to, for those of you who are joining us live that you can send questions and Michelle is monitoring that. Yay. I notoriously don't watch it uh, when, <laughs> we, when, when we do these things, but we're happy to answer, answer questions. <laughs> you will see me periodically letting people in and out and, and joining and, and things like that. Michelle, how has your week been? It's been a wild week in the United States of America. I, I, I'm that sure. changed. That changed about five minutes ago as well. Uh, even more in the last five minutes. You know, this we started this whole shindig to make things relevant for people dealing with oh. chaos and and, and keeping stress uh, at a minimum. So I think this is just another example of why it's important for us to keep getting together and supporting each other. Yeah, and so I think you know, make ma- for me. Yeah, and and. and Michelle and I obviously connect right before the broadcast starts. And I think maybe we talk about the elephant in the room uh, that, so. that we were going, we, we are still going to talk about objects of affection and amulets and charms and, and things like that, things to help us keep grounded. Uh, but the reality is, uh, as of about five minutes ago, things got dramatically different here in the U.S. Uh, I obviously am on this, as is Michelle, so we don't know what the fallout, if any, will be. Uh, but maybe, Michelle, you and I can take a few minutes and treat this and the people so. who are joining this as if one of our clients got a hold of us and said, I'm scared, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm nervous, you name it, all the, the whole yeah. um, gamut of emotions over what is happening in the news and what they've heard from Washington. What, right. how, you know, what is, what's your take if I come to you and say, hey, I'm, I'm just scared. I'm, yeah. You know, what, what do I do to keep grounded in the midst of all this uncertainty uh, and things like that? Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't think that that's such a far-fetched question since I do have clients and this has been a topic for at least the last five to seven days um, for ongoing people or brand new people um, to my practice. And we've, you know, made an agreement to look at sphere of influence, right? What's within your control, what's not within your control. For some people, they've decided that they they feel like they haven't been active enough and they want to protest peacefully and they want to get involved. Others are staying away and staying inside and just completely staying away. So we've talked about even... um, 
you know, Scott, I know when you've, you've traveled and when anybody travels, we can easily get caught up in a, in a protest. I, I got caught up in a really wonderful group event in Mexico once, which was a, um, a beautiful tour through the city following one of the Virgin Marys with a great celebration. And that was a positive experience. But at any point, we could join a peaceful protest and it, it turns difficult or we could be in an area outside. We don't travel quite as much now with the COVID-19 fears, um, but how to survive a protest. I was quickly Googling that and trying to figure out things. Um, so aside from sphere of influence, determining what you wanna do and what you don't wanna do, what you can control and you can't control, I think it's important that if any of us are out and about just, you know, going to the grocery store and there just happens to be a group of people that come around us quickly, what they advise is stay on the edge of any crowd that you get caught up into. At the first opportunity to break away, you seek refuge in a nearby building or you find a doorway or an alley and you stay there till the crowd passes. Um, when you're leaving the fringe of a demonstration, walk away, don't run because running attracts attention uh, from others that you know, might not keep you safe. And in the event that there are police involvement or military involvement, don't resist arrest, uh, go along uh, as, as best you can, contact your legal assistance, your embassy, um, if you were in another place, and stay clear of glass front shops, um, stay on your feet and with the flow of traffic, I saw one tip that said, if you're in a crowd, uh, grab your hands together, put your elbows at your side and kind of lean forward a little bit. And that gives you a little more body space protection, um, which I thought was really interesting. And if you are pushed to the ground accidentally in a crowd, you want to get yourself up against a wall as quickly as possible or roll yourself in a ball cover your head with your hands. Well, I want to interrupt you here for a minute. Yes, please. Because um, <laughs> I, I, want, I want to add a personal story. Um, and just one quick anecdote. Um, you know, I was a trial lawyer for three decades. Yes. And I'm, uh, don't resist the police. Don't, th right. there are ways, if we needed to, to help you, there are ways to address things after the fact that frankly, the media doesn't tell you, politicians don't tell you, there are ways uh, legal ways to to deal with your anger and your frustration after the fact. And I'd be happy to share some of those tips in one of the shows if we need to. Yeah. But one of the things I want to tell you is, uh, I, I, I want to say I was 16, 17. Uh, I got to meet the president of France. Now, oh. yeah. You're so full uh, of interesting stories. But, but not the way, not the way anybody planned it. Uh, oh. I was actually, I was actually in New Orleans and or New Orleans, depending on who you are. Uh, I was in New Orleans and the president of France was visiting the church there. And it wasn't because we had planned it. It's just, he happened to show up and I was standing on, on in the, in the square. This wasn't a protest. People were there to see him, to greet him. And the media was swarming the place. There were snipers on the, uh, in the square. It was yes. that kind of craziness. Uh, and the, the police officer told me stand up here away from the crowd so that you're above them and don't get down in there. Well, it turned out that what happened, so this is how it, it can turn crazy in a matter of, of seconds. Right. The, the caravan came down one side of the church and everybody moved 
I was on the other side of the square, moved to greet him, talk to him, shake his hand, get his autograph, do all that stuff. And the officer leaned into me and said, look over here. He said, that's the fake caravan. He's, he's coming in this way. Oh, wow. And at that moment, in comes his security and, and U.S. security. In comes a car and he comes out. He's now literally feet from me as he walks through and the crowd suddenly noticed. And I was now stuck oh. with this sea. I've never seen this before. A sea of people. And running I got towards you. running towards where he really was. Uh-huh. I got pushed into his security detail. They wound up hitting me actually and knocking me to the ground. Yeah. Because in all fairness to them, they had no idea. Yeah. You know, here's a swarm of people. I'm the first one through. I'm like a pro- human projectile. Uh-huh. Um, and the president of France actually came over and picked me up and apologized. And that's how I got to meet him. But, yeah. you know, it, I don't think people realize when they hear about stampedes, Yes. or they hear about these, these active shooter scenarios when people yes. panic and they flee, how yeah. dangerous this really is. You have yeah. no control over the swarm that's happening. Yeah. And so just stay out of the area. Just, just yeah. <laughs> as best you can, you know, yeah. but keep those tips in mind if you find a crowd. Um, see, well, see, and then of see, course, keep calm, yeah, and right? Keep, keep, keep your bleep together and stay calm and, and let the crowd pass you, pass you by. Um, as best you can up against a wall, et cetera, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, just keep yourself safe. So what do we tell people when, when uh, because I'm certainly hearing it from some folks, Thank they're you. afraid. Um, they, they in turn, you know, so let's set aside politics and the emotions of everything that's a backdrop here for a minute. The real, the emotions that some folks are feeling right now is they're, they're scared. They're scared. They have shame and blame. They're dealing with all of that, right? Because they've been told to do that. Um, And some of them want to contribute peacefully and they don't know. How do we help people vent? Right. Uh, You know, I'm a a big writer person. Um, So I'm the type of person that thinks it's very important to make your voice heard, to make sure that you're talking to all your representatives. I know people don't get political necessarily right away, but uh, for every letter, that a hard copy letter that ends up in your representative's box, it counts for X number of votes because they think, you know, this represents a lot of other people that aren't giving their voice. And then for every email, it's slightly less. And for every phone call, it's slightly less, you know, et cetera. So I think write, write your representatives, um, uh, talk to people, Right. I, I think that we get into the name and blame game and that doesn't cause any change, but peaceful conversation yeah. um, with, the, you know, not your bubble, but but with people willing to listen. Right. Um, I don't know what the solution is in general for this ongoing problem that we see cyclically happening. Um, yeah. And I don't know that we're not being treated fairly, but I think it's important to stay calm and keep yourself safe. Yeah. I'm going to add one more little tip here. And again, it's just based on, on my personal experience. If, if you are in any way literate and you actually have a valid voice, um, and, and I think Michelle, you and I've chatted about this before, we certainly get folks who are on a tightrope. They're on, on that high wire. And it, it, you know, I've even seen it in, in some of my private groups where they can't help talk without having an agenda that is so skewed that they lose 
uh, validity, right? Yeah. But that being said, I'm a big believer in letters to the editor. Um, you know, ha having yeah. worked, having worked, having worked around um, this type of situation for, for many years, mm -hmm. no, nothing gets attention like the media, mm -hmm. irrespective of what you think of them. If you've got a valid voice, you want to be heard, use the First Amendment and put it out there, put your name on it. You certainly can do it anonymously, but it's time, for, I think, for all of us to own our piece of whatever it is that we think needs to happen mm -hmm. um, and to be heard. And it, 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 there, there's another way to do it. And that's literally send a letter to the editor. Let someone read it before you send it, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of power in just talking to your your own like social network of people, like you know what could we do together? Everything from fundraising to getting your voice heard in mass mass groups um, to just even being heard yourself, letting your emotions and your vulnerability and any sense of shame that you may have give it some weight and and uh, speak it. Uh, silence is a killer, I think. And uh, it, it, you know, the, that uh, Henry Maudsley quote, the vent, the sorrow that has no vent in tears may make other organs weep. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So when we don't express ourselves, when we don't express our grief and our sorrow and our frustration and our fears and our worries and our shame, it causes us to be sick. It causes your body to get sick. So find a safe person, uh, a pastor, a spiritual counselor, a therapist, a coach, a friend, uh, family members, you know, let yourself be heard and talk and, and listen to, don't forget to listen to others. When this listen is to you. a great, this is why I love working with you. This is a great, <laughs> this is a great segue into what we had actually planned for content today. Yes. Um, and, and I want to steer us in that direction, great. being mindful of everybody's time. Yeah, we want you to talk to other people, and yes, we want you to, to get it out, and we don't want you to, to deflect and deny and end up, you know, physiologically having the, the ramifications of that. There are other ways, and some of those are, I don't care whether you call them good luck charms, I don't care if you call them amulets, totems, um, yes. you know, you, you name it, it's, look, I've, I won't even pull all of them out. I'm, okay. I'm notorious, right? I'm notorious yeah, many, this for, for my little things. You know, I've got a, I, yeah, I've got, I can see Daryl with, with his. Yep. I, All right. You know, I, I uh, whether you want to call it a past life bleed through what, you know, and if you're not of I that mean, mind, you can call it whatever you want. We sometimes call it a transitional object, an object that connects you to love, to family, gives you so, peace when you're away from others. So a transitional object. Out. Yeah, my, my bonky. That's what I called it growing up, my bonky. Um, <laughs> Your no, bonky. Don't, don't get Safety me started. Blanket. My bonky. Um, so I, I actually wear this, and I'm sharing this with you. I ordinarily don't invite folks to uh, share their, their objects of affection, but I'm doing this because we care about all you guys. Um, again, I I'm, I'm was talking about past life bleed-throughs. Many of you have heard of lockets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, knights used to wear lockets of their loved ones into battle, right? 
and I've had this forever. Um, you know, be, I, while I was around your necklace for those people not seeing your it, video. It, so what you can't see is it's a locket that unscrews and it's ah. waterproof. And okay. it, there's a, a clip of Carolyn's hair in here. It's Aww. a, it, it's a locket. It's a lock of her hair. Yay, Carolyn. Um, and so, you know, that, that's Carolyn is your wife for those people. That oh don't yes. Know. And, and so, <laughs> You know, when I, uh, among other things in The Most Magical Secret, I have a whole chapter on objects of affection. The idea here is to have you find something that stabilizes you, brings you confidence, helps you feel loved, dot, dot, dot. And we can we'll talk in a bit about the background foundation for all these things. Um, you know, I, we all do it. I'm sure, Michelle, you showed me your necklace, but we all have even pieces of jewelry, right? Yes. That means something to us. Mine is a key with a heart shape for the lock piece and a red gem. Like it reminds me about keeping your heart on fire. Oh, that's wonderful. And what that can unlock for you. Absolutely and wonderful. So um, that I wear that every day. So I, I again, <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling out little things to show you. Uh, you know, every time I was in trial, and that's battle, guys. Whether whether you think about it or not, it's battle, uh, sure. and it can be very high pressure depending on what's at stake. People's liberties can be at stake. Um, I'd, I'd love to tell you it was truth, justice, and the American way. There's a reason I left the practice of law. Uh, it, it's a justice concept, but it's a legal system. A legal and, system. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I always walked in saying I'm wearing the white hat. Right. So there's my little we'll talk about mantras, I think, here in the coming weeks and affirmations. Mm -hmm. I always carry this with me. And, and it's a coin for those of you that can't see this. It's a challenge coin. And it, the bailiffs, uh, these are the, the deputies who would sit in trial to make sure there was peace and order uh, behind us. Uh, they all, of course, wanted to know what this thing was that I was keeping on the, in, on the table. And you can hear how heavy this is. I, yeah, I, think I can hear you. It's very loud and I would put it down and it literally has inscribed on it. Uh, I can only be beaten in two ways. If I quit, if I give up or if I die. And this is what sat in front of me. This was my ritual uh, coin wow. that put in front of me all through trial. And it reminded me there are only two ways I can lose if I quit or if I die. Wow. Um, and that is very timely. And, and so, yeah, it, it, it's We're keeping spirits up in, in a time of difficulty. And I don't want people to, and the reason I say that is I don't want people to think they've got to go around discovering four leaf clovers right. uh, for, for, for this to work. Um, and if you don't mind, Michelle, I've kind of got four ways to, to at least discover what I call objects of affection. Yes. And, and by the way, th there are specific reasons that I use the terms objects and affection. Okay. Uh, first of all, an object is a tangible thing. It, it's not something that's metaphorical. It's not something anecdotal. It's not something that is symbolic as a construct in your head. It is symbolic, but it's not a construct in your head. It's a physical, tangible object that keeps you grounded. Um, and I'm a big believer in letting the object find you. It doesn't mean you don't already have it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you've got to go out and discover it. It means taking a moment 
and forming an intent. And by the way, um, one, of, one of the, here's one of my life lessons. One of the biggest things that I have learned in my time in this plane is intent is everything. And if we can pay more attention to our intention, mm -hmm. you will be amazed uh, at what suddenly surfaces for you. And so it's, it's great. You know, you can go have a four leaf clover or a, a rabbit's foot or whatever. Please don't do a rabbit's foot, but you can, you know, all the typical thing, a horseshoe, the things that are typically used as good luck charms. Um, please don't do a rabbit's foot. Um, and we, we always think about going out and finding them. And it's like, why do you want it in the first place? Let's be real. Let's, let's at least be honest with ourselves because it makes me feel better. These make me feel better. You know, mm -hmm. I, come on, I'm, I'm wearing 108 prayer beads and then <laughs> my, my own little object of affection bracelet that I make with a charm on it. Uh -huh. uh, and I'm being really candid with you. They make me feel good. Yes. It reminds me of the ritual that takes place uh, in my head every morning. If we have time, we can go into it before I even used these, before I even found them, before I let them find me, before I let them wear me, uh -huh. <laughs> which is what happens, right? Uh, it's why do I want them in the first place? And I, I really urge you to, to figure out what you intend behind carrying any of these things. What do you, what do you intend when you wear your lucky shirt? Uh, you, you know, I wear black most of the time and there's a real simple reason for that. It's easy. And there's, and there's Batman. You can spill there, food on it and no it, one will see No, it. no, no. It's, it's, no, I'm just kidding. It, it's the old Batman. Does it come in black, right? Um, <laughs> it, it, it's easy. It's kind of become a trademark thing for me. Mm -hmm. And now I feel really weird if I don't wear this. So it's, mm -hmm. it, it found me and has become this ritual. Um, <laughs> I didn't see what Daryl wrote. What did he... he wrote, I, I'd wear black, but I have two white dogs, which is why all the dogs I've ever owned are black, by the way. Which is why I, which is, which is why I go to one of the big box stores and I buy an entire case of those rollers. Of the rollers. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the, works. So let the, let, let the object of affection find you after you uh -huh. form the intent of what you want to do with it. Um, and these okay. can be a whole bunch of different things. Um, okay. so, so intent for, first, then object. In, intent first. So for example, okay. one, one of my, uh, I'm happy to share it with you. I've got a Merkaba uh, around my neck. And for those of you that, that don't know what a Merkaba is, uh, it, it's a point, I use it with my chakra coating uh, concept, but it, it's, it essentially is the light. And I, you've heard me chat about this before, even in my meditations of yeah. standing in the light being in the light, not being the light, letting the light work through you. This is a constant reminder to me. Um, and it, you know, it happens to be three dimensional and it moves and it flips and it twists and it's a great reminder of that. Uh, I actually have, we talked about breathing before and I'm wearing one of the jewelry pieces that it's essentially, uh, when you get down to it, this the straw technique that I showed you before. Oh, yes. Uh, and it happens to be a start episode, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Previous episode, we talked about breathing and I showed you how to take a, a small clippet of straw and breathe, do Zen breathing through it. And the reality is, uh, I, I have that in a sterling silver piece of jewelry that I don't breathe through. It's a reminder yeah. and it's got some Zen, Zen figures on it. 
they, they help me to stay centered. I've got love, I've got light, I've got breathing. Remember to breathe, Scott. <laughs> Do, um, do I get to tease you a little? Like, what else do you have buried under that black T-shirt, Scott? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, what, what's the joke when I used to wear a kilt? If you're man enough to ask, you're man enough to look. I uh, love it. <laughs> um, that's another world. Yes, I actually Humor. have a. I have a grand. I, I have a great. I have a great kilt, and it's not pretty when you first learn to put one of those on. Um, <laughs> like a wraparound dress for most of us women. <laughs> And it's Not very, fun. it's very comfortable, very comfortable, by the way. Um, so bottom line is you want to look for an object that finds you and that supports you and your intent. Um, so I, and again, I, I'll show you this in a minute, the bracelet that I'm wearing. Uh, there's a specific intent behind that, that I use it for. I want your objects to be transportable. I've got this challenge coin that I showed you and the challenge coin can be put in my pocket. It doesn't have to be on the desk. I want it there. I want it up close. I want it where I can see this. I want to be able to feel these, these necklaces uh, on my chest. I want to feel them at my heart chakra. So the, the length is specifically at that location. Um, the, the, the objects around my wrist, I could, I could write that on a piece of paper. I could do all those, you know, all of that is something. These are tangible objects. So Many of you have seen this before. I'm going to take it off for those of you that are not are, are listening who are not seeing this. It's it it's what I call uh, my togetherness bracelet. Uh, it's because it keeps me together, right? Uh, and it keeps the world together. And it's a mantra bracelet. You can a mala bracelet. You can call it whatever you want. I've got another one that's 108 beads, uh, very similar to what you would see with a rosary. Uh, each one of these has got a tree of life on it. Each one of these has a meaning, a tangible meaning for the intent that I want. On this bracelet, uh, I happen to have a mantra that I use. And again, we'll cover mantras here in an upcoming episode. And it's on the charm. I'm not going to show it to you now. Uh, but it's there. Every, you have to wait. Every, mo every morning it's there. And I can tell you, I'll take both of these off right now. These are objects of affection. And every morning, one of the first things I do is there's a ritual that I have in putting these on and an affirmation script that I run through so that they're, they're literally, it's embedded in me. So you want your object of affection to be transportable. Something that you take with you, that goes with you, that feels good with you. It can be a shirt. It can be your glasses. It can be a brooch. Uh, it, you, you name it, but get it out of your head and get it out into the world so that it's something that literally is helping you manifest. Um, and then this is what ties in, Michelle, with what you were chatting about, about the world events that are taking place even as we speak right now. Many of us have had lucky charms, not the cereal, the, the object, <laughs> right, before. Here's what you haven't done with them before. And, and by show of hands, how many of you have had totems, amulets, things like that, right? Kind of minor thanks to you. I think uh, I've always had them, but I became very intentional about them after hearing you teach me about objects of affection. So thank wonderful. You. And, <laughs> and you're more than welcome. It, part of this is talk to it. And more importantly, ask it questions. Remember how this came about. You formed an intention. You found something. These are, look, these are inanimate objects. I'm wearing a silver capsule on my, in, on, around my neck, right? 
but I want to know questions like if I were to talk to this, why are you so important? And then listen, it's like a mini meditation when you talk to your talisman. Why are you so important? This isn't about me. I want to know why are you my bracelet, my loving friend? Why are you so important? And then listen to what comes into your head and journal that. Um, what do you mean to me? You know, it's one thing to go through and form the intent and then find or let the object find you. And now take a step back and ask, what do you mean? What do you want to mean to me? I, you'll be shocked, by the way, when you hear that one. Um, because it's, 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 part of this is, is cognitive behavior therapy. Some of this is talk therapy. Uh, there are a lot of processes built into it. Forget all that. Treat it as a guided meditation that you're talking to a new friend. Um, one of my favorites is, and this kind of ties back into an earlier episode that we did as a podcast uh, where I, I walked everybody through my wise old thing in the cave, and maybe we'll do that again at some point. But uh, I, I ask my objects of affection, depending on where I am at any given time, what do I need to know? And listen, ask your object of affection, what do I need to know? Tell me, I'm listening. Um, and here's my favorite, by the way, I've saved it for last. How do you work your magic? Mm. Think about that question for a minute. You, you've formed an intent, you have an object of affection, right? You, you've, it's wearing you, you're wearing it, going through life together. And at some point you just stop and go, how do you do that? How do you do what you do? How do you keep me centered? How do you keep me loved? How do you keep me safe? How do you make things happen? How do you keep me confident? Whatever it is that, it, that it's doing for you, I want to know, how do you work your magic? Incredibly powerful, um, powerful question because it then leads to the ultimate and that you got to use your object of affection to move you forward. Yes. Yeah. You know, if, if you become an object of affection hoarder, that's not, <laughs> that's, that's not, all, the, same that, thing. That's, that's that's not the same thing. You know, it's <laughs> everything that I do is very intentional, purposeful. Uh, and, and so revisit that. Uh, sometimes your objects of affection want to be recycled uh, and bless somebody else. Uh, it's not often that I give away an object of affection, uh, but, it, but I have done that. I've made, as Michelle knows, objects of affection for people. Yeah. Uh, and they're, they're gifts. It's, it's, you're putting it out into the world. And if at some point Michelle says, it's time for me to pass this on, or as I think, Michelle, you did, you actually started using similar ones in some of your, your seminars that you were doing. Yeah, some ch chakra bracelets for people yeah. to take with them. And a variety, usually when I do a whole retreat seminar, I try to give people a variety of items to choose from so that they can pick the one that speaks to them. Just yeah. like you said, let it speak to you. But you are reminding me of my hot red shoes that I don't have in my possession right now. And I'm thinking about how they make me move forward and what they yeah. do for me. <laughs> and, and, and they definitely selected me. Now, it, what you can't see if you're listening to this only is you can't see Michelle's face. She just suddenly went into this big smile. And it's amazing how these objects of affection um, resonate 
so consistently and you don't even have to be around them all the time. I want you to carry them. Um, now, I think one of the things that we need to address right up front is, again, elephant in the room. Michelle and I have very finely tuned BS filters. Uh, and some people listening to this have got to be asking, this is, isn't this just superstitious thinking, right? And whether it's a talisman or an amulet or a charm, whatever you want to call it, an object of affection, object. a transitional object. Um, the interesting thing is that science, a number of scientific studies have found that irrespective of whether it's superstitious thinking or not that might also be involved, mm -hmm. it freaking works. It does. Think um, about all the people that have personal items on their desk at work. Yeah. Like why even bring those things to work if you didn't need some sort of a reminder of why you are around alive, you know, doing what you're doing, staying connected to your community. As simple as, you know, uh, one person told me they visited the White House back when you could actually take tours of the West Wing and they loved seeing the little personal items on the president's desk. Yeah. Right. So several presidents ago, you know, Bush, Clinton, I, I've had several people say that they loved seeing the little objects of affection on the desk. And here yeah. you bring up a very interesting point. And, and I've, I've never said this publicly before. I use this with my private coaching folks, but I've never said this publicly before. If you don't choose an object of affection, someone's going to choose it for you. <laughs> and, and you'll be working with theirs. Um, <laughs> and so be very mindful of, of the brands that you even wear. No, why are you wearing certain things? I, I'm notorious for wearing certain things, but they're chosen. Um, you know, th there are companies out there that I like their philosophy or I like what they're doing. And so I will let, I will let their object of affection wear me periodically. Uh -huh. um, you know, but th think, think about this. Uh, also think about, for those of you who have cell phones, that's everybody, but you know, if you've got your cell phone, think about this object, which uh, again, I'm going to bring my, my litigation background into this. We, we have Supreme Court justices who have said now that if, if an alien came to earth and watched the human race, that the alien would not know that this wasn't part of our body. <laughs> that a cell phone wasn't part that, of our that, body. That, it, that is literally so attached to us that this is part of us, right? Wow. I want you to think about your body language. This, this becomes an object of affection for a lot of people, right? Oh, yes. Go, go look out. That's all they're doing. Yes. Now look at their body language while they're using this object of affection, uh -huh. right? Think about this for a minute. Look at, think about your body language when you're using the phone. Now think about what someone who's depressed looks like. What's their body language? It's identical to what you're doing with that cell phone. Oh, yeah. You see what's happening? You're anch yeah. You literally are anchoring this droopy head down, looking down, not looking around, blah, blah. Think about that as you use your objects of affection, use them powerfully to move you forward and start thinking about your cell phone. I'm not suggesting that you walk around with your cell phone above your head now so that you're looking up all the time. 
be more mindful of it. And that's the way you break that errant coding that, that's taking place. Um, Michelle, what are some of, and I'm, if I'm trying, let me know, but what yeah. are some, what are some of the, the objects of affection that you use to stay centered while you're working with a client? Ah, well, so now that I've learned how to make bracelets, I actually have a series of bracelets. The ones that I have close to me right now, this is a, um, a silver metal. This is, uh, onyx and they have little charms on them. One has a moon. So at the beginning of each day, I usually select a bracelet that feels like it's speaking to me. Um, I, you know, different stones, they say have different properties. And again, you know, my skeptical side is like, yeah, wah, wah. but anyway, my point is, I think it's just like when you put on a great suit or a good dress or, you know, a nice, pair of slacks or, or a great tie or like that makes you feel more confident or I, I more get, control. I, you know. I, I get it. I, I, again, being in trial, yeah. um, I've got a number of suits that are reserved for trial. Yeah. And, and I don't know how else to describe this, but they feel like butter. It feels like putting, yes. it feels like getting into this uh-huh. butter <laughs> uh-huh. and it's marvel. It uh-huh. feels freaking good. Uh-huh. Um, and so you're bra- So what you're looking for? So are I have things uh, that feel good. Bracelets. The ones that I'm. The one that I'm wearing today is an onyx one. I also have one that's made for love. Like if I'm going to see a lot of couples in a particular day, sometimes I'll wear that one. Um, I also have a wedding ring that I bought for myself. When oh, I how was, cool um, is that? Post divorce, and decided that like you know, I'm always going to, it's part of the, what we talked about last week, the self, self-reliance on fire is, um, you know, if, if you really want to be in love with somebody, um, aside from a partner and family and children and pets, why not also be in love with yourself? Marvelous. So, you know, that's a little wacky, but I, I don't tell everybody that, that, but that is true people. And I do wear it on my right hand instead of my left hand. Um, did you so do that? Va- wait, wait, did you do vows? Yeah, yeah, I did what's called How cool a, is that? Um, it, sacred marriage ritual. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to have to. So something, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to tip something a little bit. I hope you don't mind, Michelle. One of the okay. things that we're going to be doing coming up is we're going to be doing couples uh, issues. A series. Mm-hmm. As, as, yeah, and we're going to talk about how in the midst of all of this, you know, the, the pandemic, the, the stay-at-home orders, apparently what happened today and what I believe will soon be a recovery phase for us. What do you do with your significant others? And Michelle wanted to do this. And I think it's absolutely marvelous. Why not pick two people's brains who, you know, we we think we've done some good things to have good relationships. So we thought we might share that. Um, So that's an, and then I showed you earlier my charm, which is, um, I usually wear this every day. Sometimes I have different versions of it, but it's a key with a red, stone in the center to remind me to stay like true to myself, keep my heart on fire and that will unlock doors. So Um, this is a good example of what I'm chatting about. mm -hmm. What is the intent behind setting your heart on fire? Because you and I've chatted about it. I've got, uh, we, when we did our mastermind group and we might do it again, but when we did our mastermind group, we had a beginning and end 
affirmation that we did that you read so marvelously well and your face just beamed when we got to the part of set set my my heart heart on fire so that i might give it to the world which is from scott's book uh the most magical secret which i really love thank you but you're welcome what does that mean for you so let's get down and dirty to the intent part of this I am a therapist. I, I want to be a service. I feel like that's my calling. I want to, I want to also be authentic. I want to keep working on myself. I think life, this is earth school and relationships cause more than anything, even being a hermit, I think, although we've had a guest on that swears by hermitude, but um, I think that relationships cause warp speed learning on earth school yeah. in a way that you don't get from just being by yourself because no one can challenge you, you know, when you're by yourself all the time, other people will say, oh, I disagree with that. And then you have to figure out how to grapple with that. So between family relationships, friendships, working relationships and romantic relationships, I, you know, I think that that's a a big part of staying authentic. So setting my heart on fire feels like living a really passionately genuine, aligned life that is attuned to being of service and personal growth. So that's, that's my personal thing. And I think I'll keep learning until, like you said on your coin, I either give up or I die. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to know it all. I am not a Buddhist and a monk. So here, and... Here, here's the interesting <laughs> thing. And this is a great way to kind of wrap this all in a package. You heard what Michelle was talking about as far as the meaning behind setting your heart on fire, right? That's a lot of stuff. And it's constantly evolving and morphing and changing and growing and right. Yeah. The, the beauty of having an object of affection is it anchors all that. You don't have you're, You will instantly replay all of this. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, here's a really good example. I'm Linda. I'm looking at you. Hello. Nice to see you. And I'm Hi. looking at her T-shirt that that has Michelangelo on it. Oh yeah. And you know, one of the, one of my favorite things from Michelangelo, because we were like this growing up. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. You're um, not that old. I'm not <laughs> that old. And um, now Da Vinci, not, no. So Michelangelo, you know, one of the things that he talked about was taking stone and carving away all the things that weren't the statue, right? I'm paraphrasing. And I see that on, on Linda's shirt. And I'm instantly reminded what you can't see off camera is I have a a block, a a wood block. And if I say the line and you know what this is, let me know. 37 seconds well spent can be a lifetime. It's from one of the best movies in the entire world. It's Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, right? Or Magical Emporium. I can't, I always mess up the Emporium part. If you have a little known movie, please go see this. Um, phenomenal cast. And there's, a, there's a, a cube of wood that's in this movie. And I, I love this movie so much that Carolyn, my wife, made this. She went out, cut uh-huh. this down, and my favorite lines from the movie on every side of it, and it sits here in my office. Uh, and it's one of my objects of affection. And it instantly reminds me, Linda, of the, we, we carve away what isn't the actual statue. And that's what we're doing 
with objects of affection. That's why I want you to spend so much time looking at your intention so that you know what to carve away. <laughs> Anything that isn't your intention's got to go. Yeah. You know, our objects of affection to a certain degree teach us how to set better boundaries and teach us how to say, they remind us how to say no more. Okay, so if we, go, if we go back to my challenge coin, there are only two ways, only two ways I can lose. I either give up or I die, right? Mm -hmm. That means everything else is a no. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving up and I'm not dying. So guess what, suckers? I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it's things like that. Um, I, I had mentioned this before to some of you. One of the most powerful questions I can ask a coaching client is what has to happen for your fear to be irrelevant? What has to happen for your fear to be irrelevant? Think about that. What has to happen for your fear to be irrelevant? That means it doesn't it exist. It doesn't, it's your Teflon, right? You're resilient. And there's a good way of finding an object of affection that resonates with you by saying, what do I want? In my case, my bonky when I was growing up, right? My blanket growing up was my support system. Uh, I, I watch my granddaughter now, she's three, and she doesn't call it a bonky. It's the same thing. She calls it a tia. I have no idea why. Um, but it's like as soon as she picks this tia up, instantly I'm transported back to that feeling of comfort and safety. And I'm just watching her going, yeah, where's mine? And, and unfortunately, we're all adults now, and we're in a world where we don't get to take the bonkey and put it over our head and stop existing. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm urging everybody that with your objects of affection to make sure that you're using them in powerful ways to move you forward. We're not giving you powers of affection, or pardon me, objects of affection to run and, and retreat into. That, does that make sense to everybody? Um, now, I'm being mindful of the time here, uh, and I know we're actually about out right now. Did anybody have any questions in the chat room that you'd like to know? Pick our brains, anything like that? I'm seeing, I'm Nothing. seeing heads shaking no. I think you've been clear. So now it's, um, will you take up this challenge and think about your intention so every day for the next seven days and find that object of affection and let Scott or me or both of us know what you've, what you've selected. You can email me at michelle at postinternationalinc.com. And you can and email Scott. me at, at, you can email me at sgrossberg at hotmail.com. Or for those of you who are already part of the most magical secret uh, yeah. Facebook group, put it in there, put your, put your intention down. You don't have to describe it. It doesn't have to get in personal detail. Let us help hold you accountable for that. And that's a great place to do this is tomorrow morning, you can write Michelle, write me, put a comment, post, uh, post on, on the private group and just say, today I intend to. And well, you fill you in the blank. us both in that group. We're both in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's another way. So I'm asking, as Michelle did, commit to doing this. Um, don't hoard the knowledge, use the knowledge that we're, that we're passing on to you, kind of like your object of affection. And, and if you get an object of affection, I'm inviting you, post a picture. Let us see the thing. Um, you know, I, I did that when the book first came out, and I'm, I'm 
shocked at how long it's been now. But when the book first came out, I was walking people through the, the different chapters. And when we got to objects of affection, I said, poster objects of affection. People were coming up with the most marvelous things. You don't have to explain it. It doesn't have to get personal. You're not giving away the energy of the object. By doing that, you're saying, hey, look, I'm putting this out there in the world. This is, this is mine. I'm it, right? Anything else, Michelle, before we let everybody go their uh, way? Remind everybody about the podcast and sharing it, liking it, uh, looking at past episodes. And remind me, Scott, what we have coming up. It, or do we have relationship issues coming up? So we do. We're going we're gonna to actually move, start moving into an episode on couple. I'll call it couples therapy, even though we're not doing couples. I mean, we're not doing therapy. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about, and it doesn't mean you have to be married to somebody. Uh, we're we're going to talk about relationships and we're going to talk about how, how to keep your relationships together. Yeah. During stressful times. So if yeah. you have, um, if you have some thoughts about that and want to send it to us ahead of time for, for preparation for next week, great. Or we'll handle it spontaneously. Um, same time next week, 4 PM Pacific. Yeah. And Monday. as a little, as a little tease, one of the things we're going to do. So uh, we, we've, talked about objects of affection, nothing is more powerful than a wedding ring, whether it's married to talk yourself. Talk about an object of affection. Talk about an object of affection. Uh, I will share with you what this is and how I use it uh, in, in the context of relationships and what's going uh, to happen. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the little tease there and, and why I am now on, I think, my fourth wedding ring, not my fourth wife. Uh, <laughs> Be, because I do treat this as an object of affection and, and it went through morphing. And I think you'll be, for those of you in relationships, uh, be very interested uh, in how I use this. So with that, uh, we're going to bring this to an end. I want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, we're, we're always uh, very honored that you guys take your time and your energy and your heartbeats to be with us. Michelle, thank yeah. you for joining me. Thank um, you, Scott. Please, everybody, stay safe out there. Uh, be well. And if you have questions, uh, let us know. The replay of the podcast will be up in a day or so. And with that, see you later. Good day. Good night. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.